This is Paul Nobles from Eat Reform, and I am sitting here with Eat Reform coach Sarah Kumar. Sarah, if you want to say hi. Hi, folks. So I want to make sure that we don't have an echo from uh, any of the various uh, things that we're using. We have podcasts being recorded. We have webinar with questions going to be asked from clients and then also Facebook. So um, so we've been trying to do things with Facebook a little bit more. If you guys have questions on Facebook, we might be able to get to them, but we're going to really prioritize the questions that we have on, uh, you know, to the members at this point. So right. what we're going to be talking about is Sarah and I are both finishing up with our performance focused fat loss phase and we've both been relatively successful she was you know 11 and a half pounds down what did I mean I know I'm not supposed to ask women her weight but all the women watching want to know what your weight is right now yes so today it's 120 it was 129 I was down to 127 yeah so after my weekend and my son's 16th birthday had a little birthday cake fun not yeah. gonna miss out on that and um so not a lot of ladies not a lot of ladies at that birthday party i'm just saying not a lot of ladies you yeah. know we need to work on that um <laughs> but the uh so yeah no i started at at 187 um i ended up at uh 177.8 and so what I wanted to really talk about was really kind of like how, you know, maybe some tips and stuff, because I think the temptation, at least with, with, you know, what we're talking about on Facebook is that people think that they have to be super restricted. Now I'm going to make a few arguments for buckling down a little bit harder on occasion, but in general, that is sort of the last thing to default to, right? You know? Obviously, you know, with the site Eat to Form, you know, we're really trying to get people to eat an adequate amount of food for what they do the good majority of the time. When they're at a deficit, they're seeing a result, but ultimately don't have to, you know, get too extreme. You, however, did get fair extreme. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because I think that's going to be helpful for a few people. So... For me, my burns are not very high at all, and my job is a lot of this. Yeah, no one can see you, by the way. The, oh, the okay. only people that can possibly that can see you are the people in the webinar. The people, oh, okay. yeah, the people yeah. watching it so, can't see you. Right. So everybody knows, you know, we're typing, we're online all the time. So I'm not, I'm not getting the burns that I need to get, or would have been helpful for me to get. So my low number was 1,200. I mean, and that sucks really bad yeah. when you're there. Yeah, and you that, get used to it. You, you can get used to it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think, you know, in, in some ways, you know, there was a little bit of a discussion related to, um, you know, Dave Christian and, and both Aaron brought up, you know, interesting points because these are both, you know, bigger guys. And... Um, they have a similar struggle to you. You know, they have, you know, kind of desk jobs. Um, you know, Dave, you know, has, 
you know, a young child that they just adopted. And so in general, their, um, their life doesn't set up real well for, you know, going for hour and a half long hikes, like some of the stuff that, that I do. Now we do make the argument for, you know, trying to change your activity, whether it be, you know, we always are going to, no matter what you do, we're always going to be making a recommendation as it relates to resistance training. That doesn't necessarily mean just barbell training, but, you know, obviously we're fans of that. But there's a lot of people, we, we were just on a call with group coaching where we had a teacher who has a track at her school and we were saying, hey, you can go halfway around the track, do 50 air squats, go other halfway around the track and do 20 push-ups. You know, these are all resistance training and a way to kind of get in workouts and make workouts a priority. Um, yeah. I would say this time around, I inadvertently I was moving so packing and moving I did build up more of a burn end once I saw that happening and that's I think what kick-started my progress in the beginning was my burn getting up you know and I was still eating at a deficit I was still sticking with my you know my piffle numbers not eating more because I was burning more but still keeping that deficit I that helps a ton and so I did pick up activity yeah I, once I, I started to see it working for me well i think what's sort of interesting is that you know everyone wants to believe like they can eat four thousand calories and then just do five thousand calories worth of work and then they will lose weight um that can happen i would say that that actually you know represented a large portion of my journey that ultimately became eat to perform but there were certainly times where it was lower. Now, in general, I've really not been lower than 2,000 in the last roughly 10 years. You know, um, So I haven't had to be super aggressive. I would say that there probably are a few days. Um, and usually if I go under that 2,000 number, um, Basically, you know, I start to have trouble with sleep and, and things of that nature. Right. You know, I've talked about it a lot. I mean, I don't need to go into it too much, but, you know, some people haven't heard it. Um, you know, going into this performance-focused fat loss cycle, basically I was eating 2,700 calories, um, actually upped my low-intensity work, had a few things that were sort of interesting. I got sick early on, and then my wife had surgery. So my... I had to just kind of get in any kind of volume that I could, and that was usually some kind of weightlifting in my house or some kind of resistance training. You know, there's been a fair amount of ab wheel rollouts, fair amount of 100 strict push-ups, you know, that kind of thing. Um, I am also a big fan, you know, if people follow the site, big fan of uh, rucks. And so mm -hmm. I usually do a ruck a couple times a week. I think what's interesting about Dave Dave's information where he you know mentioned that he eats 2200 calories and and that's roughly what I eat um yeah and I I think I weigh like roughly 50 pounds lighter than he does Th there's a point where you have to be realistic about what you do right compared to what you eat and we're always in a little bit of that compromise and when you're looking for a specific result you know, like he talked about, you know, the holidays sort of got away from him. I'd say that represents a little bit of what 
you know, kind of caused me to go into my performance focused fat loss where, you know, I was really hoping to get in a lot more volume than happened over the holidays because of various, you know, sickness and injuries. Um, mm -hmm. And you just have to be responsible. One of the things that, that I think is sort of a myth, you know, is that people want to get to like this weight and they want to just stay there for the rest of their life with chiseled abs, you know? And it's like, I don't know that that sets up real well for every single person, nor does it speak right. to how life really works. You know what right. I mean? I think it is helpful, yeah. you know, to have a weight that you normally are at where you're kind of keeping responsibility in your life. But in general, you know, um, you know, whether it's like gene size or whatever, you know, there gets to a point where accountability becomes an issue. You know, I think um, the other thing that we need to talk about that, that comes up a lot is you have to be realistic about where you're coming from. You know, if you were eating 1,000 to 1,200 calories and you're starting to move to a way where, where you know, eating and moving is becoming a priority in your life, we really got to make sure that we're sort of accounting for that, right? Right. And certainly some people will see a little bit of weight gain in that scenario. I think the temptation there is if you were eating a thousand calories and now all of a sudden there's this guy on the internet saying that you could eat an adequate amount of food for what you do. So you've got an activity tracker. You see that your activity tracker is 2300 all of a sudden, you start introducing a lot of foods that maybe your body's not ready for at this point, right? right? So the thing that, you know, I'm always careful because I don't want to, I don't really want to say to people that I don't like it when people say it's not the diet, it's your fault or you're not tracking enough or, you know, I, I feel like, I feel like if we're keeping track of what everybody's doing, there's a level of personal responsibility, but there, there's an onus on my part and Sarah's part as well, right? We're, mm -hmm. you know, as e form coaches, we're going to try and make sure that you're sort of getting the result, but also right. we're going to walk you through kind of some of those mental things that happen. I think most people feel like if I hadn't gotten sick, or if my dog didn't die or, you know, totally. of all these yeah. things that were to happen that I would have been able to see a result. Well, yeah, we would all be perfect in that situation. <laughs> but, you know, when you start to add in all these elements of stress, you know, and, and exercise obviously being one, people start to ramp up their exercise. That's, you know, the, it's the stress that you're adapting to that allows your body to get better, building mass, all the stuff. Right. And then of course, if we're in a deficit cycle, that's also stress. So when you start adding all these different things, what do we know? Well, we know that your immune system gets compromised, sleep gets compromised. It's just a lot of negatives that end up happening as a result of that. Um, talk to me a little bit about some of your sleep issues because honestly, I did not really have too many sleep issues. And my schedule is somewhat flexible. So the days that I did, I was able to kind of nap. That was mm -hmm. not your reality. Talk a little bit about that. It was not. I 
you know, again, with moving, I think that was part of it, but I, I really, the not sleeping, it's horrible for your progress. It's horrible for your, you know, you're already eating at a deficit. Your performance is not what it has been. And so to not sleep on top of that. And, you know, in the beginning, I was avoiding uh, having oatmeal before bed, which I did incorporate that, you know, as, you know, I was struggling with my sleep. And when I added the oatmeal before bed, I like oatmeal with a date roll chopped up in it and milk. Um, I was still losing weight. I, mean, I was still on my, you know, following my macros for that specific pickle that I was doing. Um, but the sleep just, it totally derails you. I mean, I, I felt that there were days that I felt like I was back at postpartum or something. Like, yeah, it's, it, it's bad. It's really bad. It gets really hard. You know, um, obviously you've got two teenage boys that run you crazy, you know, yeah, um, I'm running around. Now, there is somebody talking about, you know, kind of keeping your carbs low and stuff like this. I think a little bit of, here's what I think most people want. They want to eat relatively normal. They don't want to kill themselves. That was an interesting thing that came up in group coaching, actually. You know, mm -hmm. when I first started Eat to Perform, and I, I think the temptation in general was to work out to a point where and i am getting a little bit of feedback and i don't know what that's from um because we've got everybody muted but i think as you know it's been roughly eight to ten years now since i've been fit and i didn't have to do it low carb you know i i know the temptation is to low carb pull all the water out of your body don't feel energetic and don't really have a lot of you know yeah a lot of energy to do want to do things when we talk about carbohydrates we're talking about having a moderate amount of carbohydrates to fuel your workouts right and if you have to go to an extreme detox low carb whatever you know is that really a lifestyle that you want to live forever you know and you know we're not anti low carb in fact on rest days, we suggest that you rely mostly on fats. But even, even on those days, my carbs tend to be around 200. And like I said, you know, I'm 177 pound, 77 pound man, so I'm hardly obese. Mm -hmm. um, so we have we're not really getting a lot of questions, and we'll we'll kind of walk through a little bit of our volume increase in the second part of the Facebook conversation. We are getting a few questions from Facebook, so since we're not getting questions from members, I'll go ahead and answer some of these. So when I work out on a regular basis, CrossFit P90X, I eat pretty much anything I want. Love cake and cookies, just have to balance everything out. I would say that that's true, but I think also that can also be that can become bad behavior, and you can be. I, you know, the thing that I was thinking about last summer, I was saying this to my wife because it's starting to get to be nice here in Minnesota. And she was saying, you know, we should really watch out, you know, from eating Italian ice because there's this new Italian ice place and we were eating there virtually every single night. And our, our volume was high, right? So, so we were able to stay weight stable, all this other type of stuff. But the question is, could you have Italian ice a couple nights a week and then not put this onus on having to have these extreme workouts where 
you, you're really not working out to earn your Italian ice. And then what happens when, you know, life happens and you can't work out. Now you've established this life, these habits that really are kind of more, you know, you want to be in a groove that is respectful to your life in general. What are your thoughts on that, Sarah? Because I, I think, I think there's, if you were to ask me, one, I think around the holidays, you know, there was just, you know, I would have been better off having more volume. Um, yeah. And then, you know, in the summertime, I think I'd be better off being slightly more disciplined. So right. I don't have to go through these cycles. And, and for me, obviously, we're talking about, you know, five or 10 pounds. For some people, though, they're talking about 50 pounds. And, right. you know, discipline in a lot of ways is freedom. And if yeah. you can sort of structure your life where you're not relying on overly convenient foods, mostly whole foods most of the time, I'm telling you. I think you, that made a huge difference this time around for me as well. I totally agree with that. And, you know, it's it's interesting how you learn every time you go through another phase. We as coaches are always learning things about ourselves and um, just following all the cycles and paying attention to my activity level and, you know, what I'm doing during my maintenance, you know, cycle. I'm glad I built up. I'm really glad I did because that's given me a really successful piffle right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so that's, that's huge. That's an important part to, to the discussion. And, and, and the reason why we're talking about, you know, not having to starve yourself you know, when, yeah. when your activity level is relatively high, in Sarah's case, it wasn't. So she had to get to a little bit more of a deficit. But in my case, it was, you know, I was eating 2,700 calories, you know, working out, you know, uh, my burn was roughly 2,700 calories the good majority of the time. When I set my deficit, it was roughly about 500 calories lower. So I was at 2,200, 2,000 on rest days. Haven't had to go underneath that, um, but I do. You know the way we sort of set it up is twenty two hundred, two thousand, eighteen hundred. Um, but what I did that was kind of important to that discussion was I upped my low intensity work, so I made a walk a little bit more of a priority on days that right. it was bad. Rowing would be a big thing. Uh, you know, one of the things that I do throughout the day is I will walk around, you know, if I'm on calls, you know, I think it's sort of interesting because there are a lot of people, ah, shoot, the, um, oh, no. my, um, was it kombucha? No, it was my, uh, <laughs> the, the Facebook thing, the, the little suction oh. cup, um, fell, but, uh, no, I, I, I think that, um, shoot, I got distracted. So let's get to a question. You're talking about what you do on a regular basis, kind of your routine. Yeah, I mean, for a regular basis, you know, my, my you know, CrossFit would be a priority. Certainly some level of high-intensity work and barbell training. You know, because I got sick, yeah. because of my wife's surgery, that wasn't really too much of an option, but I've been able to keep in a certain amount of volume. And in some ways, that's been a little helpful. Yeah, um, and adding more low-intensity work. So Christina was saying, what does your training look like? How many days duration of cardio hit, lifting weight, heavy, moderate quantity of reps? So in terms of my barbell training, um, especially for squats, I tend to do 
a lot of reps. So what I've been doing recently is I'll work up to 225, do 225 times five, and then start downsetting and drop setting to where, um, you know, basically I'll just do threes at 185. Um, so I'll do five times three, and then I'll go to 155, five times three, and then 135, five times three, and then that's pretty much my workout. So I try to keep it pretty simple. On my deadlifts, um, I've been kind of changing the style a little bit. So I'll do maybe a little bit of GHD work post, you know, um, you know, I, I'm doing sets of eights, fives, and threes. Um, so the first week is eights, second week is fives, next week is three, uh, eight, five, and three. Um, it's kind of like Windler, just with a little bit more reps. And then those days I tend to mix in like some sets and reps with chin-ups, some sit-ups, uh, barbell rows, uh, not barbell rows, uh, ab wheel rollouts, things of that nature. Um, and then usually, uh, you know, my walks tend to be around five miles. I do that roughly five days a week. Um, two of those days are rucks where I carry a 45 pound pack. So hope that's helpful. Um, so a fair amount of work compared to, I think, average folks, but I don't think it would be, you know, obscene for, you know, most CrossFitters. Um, someone's saying popcorn. Um, let's see. What do you eat if you're not doing the performance part, though? In general, um, my calories aren't vastly different. They tend to still be, you know, above 2,000. Um, I tend to eat the same thing over and over again, you know, um, especially yeah. during performance fat loss because I know how my body responds to those foods. I tend to eat a lot of, um, I usually have kind of fattier cuts of meat. Normally I have New York strips. I actually, I accidentally bought some ribeyes. <laughs> so I've been having those. Oh, I love ribeyes. Well, they're good, but they're just so much fat. I mean, like. Um, it's not that I'm anti-fat, but like, you know, you'll eat some of these ribeyes that are like 12 ounces and stuff like that. And they'll have like 90 grams of fat. And so well, that's, to, that's when you need to skip your peanut butter toast instead. Yeah. Well, there's, there's no peanut butter toast happening right now. So I think it is going to be fun as we start to get into kind of the second part of how this will look once, once we're moving through that. Let's see. She's, so Trisha's saying, yes, yeah, so true. I eat every two to three hours. Oh, there was somebody that asked a question that I thought was kind of interesting. Um, what they said was that they are able to stay fairly disciplined for five days a week. And then, you know, yeah. they kind of go off the wheels for two days, which is basically what? The weekend problem. Weekend, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so here's what our stance is on that. One... I think that it's very tempting to get to a point where you're, it's, it's you. Can you, can you um, mute your mic? Because it's very distracting. Um, at the of moment. course I can, Paul. All right. I'm just, I just want to get to this point because it's a really important point. So what we do at Eat to Perform is we try to get you guys some level of tracking some level of eating a consistent amount of food throughout the week. What happens for a lot of folks, they go, 
I can really stick to the plan all week long. Then the weekend comes and I want to go out with my friends or, you know, I feel like I want to relax. So I end up eating foods that tend to be a little bit more convenient. Here's what I think. I think most people are under eating in those scenarios, those five days. So they're really hungry on the weekends. If they ended up eating an adequate amount of food for what they do the other five days, they would work out better. They would have more energy throughout the day. And if they're maybe a little bit more conscious, you know, I have an activity tracker where I'm keeping a good understanding of how much I'm doing on a daily basis. I think those things make gigantic differences. One of the reasons why people fall off the wagon on the weekend is because they feel deprived. They're not eating the foods that they like the good majority of the time. Even in kind of a deficit cycle like we're talking about right now, we're still eating popcorn. We're still eating, you know, I mean, it's not like something that's totally out there, but, you know, I like kombucha, you know, as an example. I certainly like steak, you know. Um, you know, one of the things that I'll do a lot is I'll have yogurt, you know, about seven ounces of, of full fat yogurt um, with protein and a little bit of granola. I like that. You know, that's that works for me. Um, and ultimately, you know, that ends up being, you know, 2200 calories, the good majority of the time. And then we factor in, you know, one day where you're going to have kind of a, a upregulation where you're going to eat kind of relatively normal. We just don't make it into three days, right? Um, so for me, that's typically a, a higher volume day where I'm going to be lifting a little bit heavier. It tends to be a Friday. It's also date night with my wife. And so, you know, we'll end up going out for pizza or hamburgers and fries or, or some of those types of things. But, you know, all throughout the week, I'm eating foods that I like. I'm not just like chicken and kaling it the whole time. Um, so Trisha was saying, yeah, so true. I eat every two to three hours and hardly any carbs a day. Have been losing two to three pounds a week. I mean, you can lose a lot of pounds a week when you're pulling all the water out of your muscles. In terms of, you know, eating um, two to three meals uh, or or every two to three hours, some people like that. Some people actually overeat in that scenario because, you know, they have more meals and more opportunities for kind of some snacking and stuff like that. Myself, I tend to be kind of two big meals with snacks guy, but I mean, there's virtually every single situation that I've seen people have success with. Um, so Deirdre was asking an interesting thing and we've got three and a half minutes before we have to, to, to change the Facebook feed. She's saying basically a refeed day. No, it's not a refeed day. It's really a planned caloric day. What a refeed day tends to be the way that most people do it on ketogenic diets or, or other programs is it's, it's starve yourself throughout the week and then make lists of foods and anybody who's done a refeed day, they know exactly what I'm talking about. They make a list of foods that they're going to be eating on that day. And then all of a sudden it's gorge day. You've got diarrhea and stuff like this. That is not what I'm referring to. The good majority of, you know, when we're talking about eat to form, when you're, you know, a female eating 1800 calories, that's not super restrictive, right? In Sarah's case, you know, 
hers was probably, you know, a little bit closer to the way that most people would think of a refeed just because her calories would be higher. But she wasn't eating, you know, she didn't spend like the whole day, you know, eating Kit Kats and, and Mexican food and drinking margaritas, right? Um, and a lot of people that do that end up sort of kind of landing in the same spot over and over again, right? Um, let's see. And she said, no, I just mean an increase in calories on the day, not like a cheat day. No, that is 100% true. So why don't we end on that note? And then we when we come back on Facebook, we're going to talk a little bit about coming out of a performance-focused fat loss cycle and then what you would do to to do that. I wasn't able to see everybody's questions on Facebook. Not sure if you can, Sarah, but um, I'm not in a great position to do that. So if you can, that'd be awesome. All right, we'll be right back, you guys. And we're back on Facebook. So now we're going to talk a little bit about both my plan and Sarah's plan. And we've actually had to mute Sarah for a little bit because I was getting a little bit of an echo off of her mic. But talk to me a little bit about what your plans are for this summer and how you plan to kind of change your work volume. Um, so coming out of Kittle, yep. um, I'm really excited, <laughs> first of all, to come out of it. Uh, and it, for me, I, I think that I used to focus more on, a, on power lifting. Um, and that was kind of my goal all the time was to get my one rep max higher and higher. Um, I, I kind of feel like I, I like the more bodybuilding movements. I love CrossFit. I also CrossFit. So I'm thinking I'm going to be working on more skills and being more um, actively wadding. But I'm still going to be keeping my three recovery days. I really like, and I think that that's key for me is to have three recovery days where I'm still building my burn, but it's a, it's list. It's a, you know, I'm low gonna, intensity. So I'm going to break all of the guy rules, right? I'm never supposed to ask a woman what she weighs and I'm never oh. supposed to, how old are you, Sarah? Just so everybody knows. I'm 40. Okay. So I, don't you find that I, I think one of the more interesting things is similar to what we were talking about in the group coaching call where, you know, I'm 47, you're 40. My goal, I would say, is really just to like live a life, eat relatively normal food with some level of discipline and not have to be like a slave to the gym. And I think... Yeah. It's one Definitely. thing to want to get better at exercise, and certainly I have my goals. I would like to still deadlift 500 pounds. I would mm -hmm. like to, you know, um, and I'll, I'll talk a little bit about the competitions that I'm going to be doing. Um, mm -hmm. But in general, I, I'm i not trying to kill myself. You know? Right. And that's that's probably a little different than it was five years ago. I really probably was trying to push the 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 – performance side of things and now mm -hmm. that i have a good feel for that um last year a great example so my goal my goal going into last year was really to gain muscle and i ended up putting on about six pounds of muscle and roughly about four pounds of fat which you know a lot of people want to do it where you know they just gain six pounds of muscle and they they desperately do not want to gain four pounds of fat right. 
bad news. That's really hard to do. You know, I mean, so having kind of volume as a priority was yeah. a big deal. I would say going into this next year, if you were to ask me how I want to do it, there's a little piece of me that might want to sort of recomp down to about 170 or at least 175. I think those are those are weights that feel good for me. I like I said, you know, if you weren't watching in the first one, you know, I talked a little bit more about kind of those little little things that you start to add into the way that you eat that become a habit that truthfully if you only did those on occasion they'd be better you know right not saying that you wouldn't have cake or a cupcake or you right. know foods that you enjoy but you start getting into these habits of having you know 300 calories after your lunch and then having you know kind of a, a high calorie food at dinner you might be able to get away with that with a lot of working out, but you'd probably be better off if you had some level of discipline and didn't necessarily you know, kind of default to those things. Yeah, and I used to do that too. I, I mean, during when I was doing more of powerlifting stuff, I definitely, I mean, Pop-Tarts every day, you know, I can go out for ice cream because it fits my macros, but that's, Nobody told me to do that, you know, and you have to kind of, you have to be smart about it and be intuitive about it and think about what, what is, what are you putting into your body? What is it doing? You know? Yeah. And, I, just about and there has to be some level of accountability, you know, like, no, e absolutely. Even That's as what I'm saying, nobody told me I, Sarah, go eat all the pop tarts, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, woohoo! I mean, even even at your most, though, you would have been 137. So it wasn't like you were destroying <laughs> pop tarts left and right. But, 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 I think that for most of us, we're always playing that compromise, self accountability. That sort of yeah. makes a really big difference. And you know, I think there's probably a lot of people watching this going, "Well, this doesn't sound like super eat to perform." I mean, really? Because the good majority of the time, I'm eating 27 to 3,000 calories. You know, yeah. I'm talking about making walking more of a priority so I'm not constantly working out at 60%, where right. activity is still a big part of what I do. But I'm also, you know, 47. I mean, the last thing I want to do is be 68, 74, and have to CrossFit six days a week. You know, right. Or be like, oh, do I need to do a pickle? Yeah, you know, right. Like, or no. yeah, yeah, constantly being in in these dieting cycles. I mean, one of the things, one of the more interesting things that Lane Norton said on the podcast that we did with him was that the more dieting cycles that you do, the less effective they're going to be. That is definitely Sarah and I's experience, right? One of the reasons why we're having the success. Um, so somebody was asking me, how long are you walking for? Typically, I walk about four miles a day. And uh, I am also, you know, I am a kind of a pacer. So I do, I mean, like today, actually, I haven't walked at all. I've not left my house. Um, I did walk my dog. I still have five miles in. That's how much I pace during the day. My calorie burn is 2,400. So I am naturally more of a fidgety person. There are... Some people like Sarah that. No, my burn is right now. It's sixteen sixty. 
Yeah. So you hate me. I gotta go. That's I what, need to go walk. That's that. That's what. You, that's what I'm hearing. You hate me. So Deirdre is saying Lane Norton video on reverse dieting are awesome. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people don't realize this, but uh, Mike Nelson, the guy who wrote our books, and Lane Norton are really good friends. They kind of talk a lot, so so a lot of their theories on on the way to eat are shared. And obviously, Lane is pretty shredded, so <laughs> um, he's a pretty smart guy to follow, and we like we like his information as well. Um, for me, uh, definitely volume increase is going to be um, in order real soon here. Um, I still am finishing up. It's, 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 you know, the, you know, my lowest at this point has been 177.8. Would like to, you know, see 177.2, but if it doesn't happen, I'm not going to sweat it. I was going to ask you, are you going to finish this week? Are you going to Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm sticking, I'm sticking with it. I am, I, you know, if I, I will say if I wake up 177.2 tomorrow, though, it's over, you know? Yeah. Um, that's how I feel. I feel like I'm really not where I am now. I, I'm not going to lose much more. I think yeah. 127 will, will be it for me. Yeah. And so, I'm good. yeah. And so, so let's talk a little bit about, like I said, I have a competition coming up on May 9th. So I only have three weeks. My cardio is kind of low um, right now. So I'm going to really work on that. My plan is to add more volume basically just going to add in some hill sprints i'll probably start there's a hill near me um you know i'll go up six and just walk down standard hill sprint type of action i do have an airdyne so i'll probably do airdyne one day a week and i'll do the hill sprints and then stick with my squats and deadlifts um walking is obviously still a priority um you know, I probably won't need to walk near as much on the days where I'm doing the high intensity work. So Sherry's saying, I know I have to read up on Piffle as I'm learning by doing. So reading just doesn't stick. But I must admit, I'm nervous about when Piffle ends. Well, one of the things I'm concerned about, Sherry, and I know that I, I posted it in your journal today, was the idea that you're just going down and you do need to spike up a little bit. And I think what we're seeing for you, because, you know, Sherry's, Sherry's probably real similar to a lot of people that we talk to that are aging athletes, where they really sort of like the window of opportunity is kind of smaller. Right. And yes, that can be sort of fearful, but at the same time, we all benefit from some level of up. You know, most of the things that negatively affect you happen in a deficit. You know, mm -hmm. certainly thyroid's not going to function awesome. You know, you're going to down. Injuries are worse. I mean, injuries. I have a shoulder and a, an SI joint issue that I, I believe it would be a lot better recovery for me if I were not piffling right now. Yeah. And so usually, you know, Brad has a, a great graphic. I wish I had it in front of me so I could look at it. You know, we've actually been on calls for the last two and a half hours. So, you know, my brain's a little fried at this point. But all the negative things as it relates to, um, you know, how your body wants to function get negatively affected by dieting. From my standpoint, you know, I have to say, 
I will not be going face first in, in into a cheesecake. You know, I don't feel like I'm particularly restricted right now, right? And I feel yeah. yeah, we talk about it quite a bit. I mean, I think your volume will probably help a lot for you. Yeah. Um, but in terms of in terms of myself, you know, I've kind of not been eating Chipotle. I'll probably add Chipotle once or twice a week, you know. Um, not really talking about like huge extremes. Um, you know, I probably will have, you know, ice cream. You know, normally, uh, you know, we'll on date night, we'll tend to go get ice cream. I've been kind of keeping that out of the mix just so, you know, my, my, you know, what we, we call weight plus days, um, don't get too out of hand. Um, so Sherry's saying, is the weight coming, is the weight going to come back or am I able to continue to lose? Well, you're always going to have like some level of, of up, right? But you should be able to control your weight with some level of volume and some level of compromise as it relates to food. Now, and recovery. I mean, I think that's a huge part too. Well, the thing that I always think when we're talking about aging athletes mm -hmm. is mostly the recovery, right? Because, you know, like I was saying, I don't want to be 64 and then have to work out all the time. Right. I think what we didn't want to do with Sherry in her example was just you know, go to an extreme level and then make it fairly difficult. Actually, her calories are, are fairly uh, fairly high, you know, for the, <laughs> the good majority of people. I, I think April was talking to me about her numbers are mostly around like 1,800. For a deficit yeah. cycle for somebody that's like 65, I think that's, you know, pretty good. Yeah. Um, she's saying, find that hunger creeps in faster while on PFFO, but I sure feel better and not stuffed. I think that feel better thing is sort of relative, but it does sort of speak to what I was saying. It's like, you know, I have to say like, you know, Chipotle was sort of creeping in five to six days a week. I think, I think now, you know, I'd probably default to, you know, once or twice a week, you know? Um, yeah. I mean, don't, don't misunderstand me. You know, I think sometimes people think of what we teach people as if they can't out eat their metabolism. 100% you can, you know? And, you know, depending on how good you are as an athlete, but what we're always going to make a case for is to become the best athlete that you can be. You know, I'm not like a gym killer, you know? I mean, I'm not gonna like blow anybody away in any of the competitions that I'm gonna be in. There's actually three of them. I just found out that Festivus Games in October is a team event, so I'm sort of excited oh, about that. So I'll have I'll have your event in in May. I'll have the Granite okay. Games in September, and then Festivus in October. Awesome. Heather was saying, is there something to take to curb the hunger? Um, I think Kombucha. you know. Well, I mean, she's talking to me from. from well, she's talking to me from Facebook, so. Oh. On Facebook, she might be eating 1,200 calories. You know what I mean? Right. Like, we don't have any idea. Um, normally, we would like people to have a baseline that is sort of representative of the amount of work that they do on a daily basis. And so, 
the the deficits that most people have, you know, aren't kind of the deficits that we have. You know, like I said, as a male, 177 pounds, you know, I'm losing a pound a week, you know, at 2,200 calories. You know, most of the, actually Katie Sparham, when we were talking in Colorado, her calories are set at the exact same as mine and she's seeing a pound a week as well. So what we're always trying to get people to do is kind of the minimal effective dose. What's the what's the least amount of of intervention that you need to get the maximum amount of results. But in terms of things that help with hunger, certainly popcorn's going to help with hunger. Um, we like kombucha. You know, there's a lot of people that are kind of negative about kombucha. I think kombucha is very filling. Um, yeah. If it has some probiotic benefit, I wouldn't say that that's the biggest reason why I drink like it. You're drinking a cocktail too, or something like it's just busy. Yeah, well, and it and it, it's just filling, you know. And I think it it's it's helpful. Um, usually, if you can have something that is a little bit of sweet snacks throughout the day. You know, sometimes like, uh, you know, uh, I like Sour Patch Kids. So what now? Cadbury eggs. Not carrot, not Cadbury eggs necessarily. You know, the the big ones that I like are the caramel apple pops. Um, you know, normally, um, you know, I'll even have like uh, milk chocolate macadamia nuts. You know, as dessert on occasion. Usually, I like having those. Um, sort of midday, it's probably, you know, during performance focused fat loss, I probably only have those maybe once a week. Um, during uh, when it's not performance focused fat loss, it fits a little bit more, maybe two to three times a week. I like um, the date rolls, that's kind of my sweet fix. Yeah, um, date rolls as well. Um, what are your thoughts on diet breaks and when are they appropriate? I love diet breaks, it's sort of the basis for you to perform, right? Um, I think the biggest mistake that people make with diet breaks though, is that they have them too short. So basically what they become is like excuses for bad behavior breaks. And so what happens is, is that you lose 10 to 15 pounds and you go on a cruise and you gain 10 to 15 pounds and you roughly land where you are. What we would prefer is to take a cycle where you're eating a little bit lower. Somebody's saying pickles are good for curbing hunger. That's an interesting one. I haven't tried that one. Um, but what we would prefer is that, one, you're eating a good amount of calories the most of the time. Then, you know, and if I end up posting this, I'll post my graph. But my, my graph really shows kind of how you go up and down and that the ups are really sort of important in that process. Most of our diet breaks are not two, two months. The real secret to really why Sarah and I had so much success is the fact that we weren't dieting for a whole year. And um, I don't know that that's everybody's reality because there's some people that do have a bit more fat to use. But I do think that if you could... Um, you know, for some people, three months makes sense. I think for most people, six months makes sense. Um, and if, you, if you're relatively lean, like both Sarah and I are, um, you know, you'd be shocked at how well you would respond to one year compared to, you know, 
six months and always kind of seeing marginal results and always going oh. back to where you were. Yeah. Um, but somebody is saying rightly so the pickles are high in sodium, so you will see a lot more water retention as a result. Um, you know what I found with that though, with the sodium, it, it, just this time around on pickle, is if it's a treat like that, like I know some people love pickles. Yeah. You can manipulate your sodium yeah. for the rest of your day. I mean, yeah, yeah. There's, like, best part is it's a, you can manipulate it. You can decide where you're going to put the sodium that you really want. Usually that's going to be best at lunch. That way you can drink water throughout the day and process it through yeah. your system. Also, if you tend to be a little bit more like sodium is great to have on a day where you're doing resistance training because it's going to allow for that electrical bond that sort of sends things into your muscles and end up getting used. Um, another part of, or the second part of the question was, what do you also, what do you do when you hear your clients are starting to cheat and or binge? Um, we don't really deal with that a lot because we're trying to get people to eat, you know, an adequate amount of food the good majority of the time. Usually if I see somebody that is, you know, binging, that tells me that their calories are too low. That's what I think is one of the biggest problems that the good majority of people have. They set plans. They just go to the, go to the internet. They see a calculator. They set it as low as possible. And then all of a sudden, one week later, face full of cheesecake, right? Right. Why would you do that when most of the science points to the fact that it's much more sustainable if you can do it longer and slower. I think everyone sort of wants to pull off the Band-Aid as quickly as possible. And frankly, you know, you probably wouldn't be watching this for the last 45 minutes if that had been working for you, you know. And so we, we tend to make an argument for, um, you know, if you're a female and your activity level is 2,600 and we, 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 we're looking for, say, a pound a week. We'll bring you down to, to 2,100, 1,900, and then 1,700 as a low number. Then we'll look at it as you start to stall. But what we really impress upon people is to try and get results at that 2,100. Because like, yeah. like the question questioner is asking, what do you think is easier to he adhere to, right? 2,100 or 1,100, right? Right. And so 1100, you're going to be much more susceptible to binging. There's an interesting thing about that, though. Or you just don't sleep. Yeah, or you won't sleep or you'll have kind of negative effects. I think people want to diet at the time that they're doing the least amount of activity, which is around January, right? Which I think is sort of kind of misses the picture. Most people right. would be better off in March and April when the weather starts getting good so you can get out and about naturally you have more energy. The other thing too is that people want to increase their calories at the worst time too. So what they do is they 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 go on these 30-day challenges or whatever and on a cellular level their body's not ready for a lot of calories. And so what ends up happening is they have been really super restrictive they go on vacation or they, they're friends with the weekend, start to have some beers, look at, at the at the scale and realize they're up 10 pounds. And, you know, we just feel like if people are eating 
inadequate amount of food most of the time. They don't tend to the extreme lows and they don't tend to the extreme highs. Um, so someone is asking, is paleo diet the best? Um, I'm not a fan of necessarily calling anything. I mean, when we talk about the paleo diet, what are we talking about? We're talking about a diet of mostly meats and veggies. I've known since four to five years old that meats and veggies were kind of a thing that I should probably be eating in the good majority of the time, right? <laughs> you know, yeah. but I didn't necessarily always want to do that. So if you're asking me, should the majority of your diet be mostly meats and veggies, assuming that you're not vegetarian, which by the way, we're very open to, um, that by the way, my, my two daughters are vegetarians. So yeah. That's how open to it I am. We just try to make sure that they're getting in an adequate amount of protein for what they do. And, and actually, I think most of them are really good. Or my, my daughters are really great at meal prep and, and stuff like that. They're learning to cook. So they're much farther along than a lot of teenagers are. And frankly, at this point, they got to fit for themselves. You know what I mean? They're 14 and 16 years old. Come on. You, gotta, you can't rely on your parents at this point. Um. So thoughts on drinking two to three protein shakes a day to help with hitting your macros. Not a huge fan of um, a lot of protein shakes. I actually tend to have more protein when I'm in a deficit cycle. When I'm eating normal and normally my calories are 2,700 to 3,000, I'm going to be getting the good majority of my protein from, from meat. Someone's saying, how fast do you see results with low-carb diet? I don't know why people keep asking with low-carb diets. Low you know, carb. I mean, you can lose a lot of weight with low-carb diets. You're basically right. pulling all the water out of your, your body. You're going to pee a lot for two days. Um, and, and or, or, or the other way, right? Um, yeah. yeah. But, but, you know, you're not going to feel particularly energetic. You're not necessarily going to want to do things. Um, you know, I definitely have my experiences with low carb and once again, we're not anti low carb. We actually suggest to people that on their rest days, they should have a lower amount of carbohydrates, but even on those days, it's not like 25 grams, you know, it's not like there's a super secret there. So how to resist binge on carbs or sugar when transitioning to healthier choices. This is sort of an interesting thing that happens with Eat to Perform that almost everybody notices right off the bat is when they're eating an adequate amount of food for what they do, they don't tend to binge, right? Right. When you're under eating and you're having all these cravings and you're always wondering, how can I stop these cravings? A lot of the time the cravings are just because you're not eating enough food. Once you start eating enough food, now all of a sudden you can eat some of those things responsibly. Now I will say, if you've been involved, you know, if you've been avoiding cookies and cookies are a food that you like, there's probably going to be some amount of strategy. One of the things that you know, and I, I would say I was sort of susceptible to that early on. So here was one of the strategies that I had when I started introducing some energy dense foods to my diet because I needed to up my calories once I started realizing that I was under eating. Um, I started eating it at nighttime and there's naturally a point 
where, you know, you're going to eat three to four cookies responsibly, and then you go to bed. It also tends to help with sleep, things of that nature. Um, you know, it's favorable right. for a lot of things, so that ends up being a plus. So one person was saying, um, what's the top three healthiest carbs? Typically when we're talking about carbs, we're talking about starches. So we're really looking at potatoes and rice. Those are the two things. Both things are really good with satiety and really going to help with your hunger signaling, especially when you have that with some level of proteins and a moderate amount of fats. You're going to see a good result there. Um, thank you. That's good to hear because I'm in a deficit phase. Much appreciated for it. Um, love eat to perform no extreme what's the cleanest or most paleo choice you can make for an alcoholic beverage in general i mean there's no real secret to alcohol um the clearer the alcohol is the better it's going to be i will say that you tend to be a little bit more um you know, certainly beers, um, actually like your darker beers tend to be kind of low carb. So, you know, if you can enjoy those things in moderation, um, yeah, I don't actually yeah, drink alcohol, drink but, but my wife drinks alcohol. Um, I think that people that, soda. yeah, I think yeah. that people that rely on alcohol daily, you can really start to mess with testosterone levels and stuff like that. But if you can, if you want to have, you know, a responsible drink, you know, certainly tequila, vodka, you know, anything that's going to get the job done fast, right? Clear, clear, <laughs> clear alcohols tend to be the, the road there. Some red wines um, are going to be better. Doesn't mean that you can't, yeah, doesn't mean that you can't have a beer. Doesn't mean that you can't have white wine, yeah. but. Um, totally. So Sherry was saying alcohol was enjoyed on a weekend evening. How does it really affect you macro-wise, especially let's say a vodka or a rum? I think the biggest thing with, with alcohol is just when you rely on it too much, pretty much the way that, that, that your blood system views alcohol is it wants to get it in and out as quickly as possible. So it's not like a nutrient. It's not going to be something that you could use for a workout, and it tends to be kind of a net negative. That doesn't mean that you can't enjoy it responsibly. It just means that you need to be a little careful. Well, the other thing that comes with alcohol too that I, I always tell clients when we talk about it is the are the habits. There's always habits that come with alcohol, and that usually involves some kind of snacking. Yeah. Okay, so on Facebook, we're going to end things up, but I appreciate everybody being here, and we'll do this again on next Monday. Talk to you later. So we are going to finish things up um, from the standpoint of the regular thing, but finish your thoughts, Sarah. Because the we were just running out. Of, there, there's like a time limit on Facebook. That's right. Um, just that that the habits that come with you know when you drink alcohol, even myself. Like I will have, I'll have probably even through my pickle, three or four glasses of wine a week, easily without a problem. But I'm much more conscious of my snacking. Yeah. You know, because that's the that's the the biggest pitfall. That's drinking. That's a bigger problem for men than it is for women, um, just from a statistical standpoint. Guys tend to like just go ape shit with like chicken wings and stuff like that, whereas women tend to be a little bit more responsible. I mean, that's sort of the whole 
what was that reality TV with the the skinny drinks? What what's you know what I'm talking oh, about? Oh, the um, the women of I don't remember. Her last yeah, name's Frank. Yeah, Frankel, I believe. Um, yeah. But yeah, so so that just goes to show you that women tend to be a little bit more responsible with their snacking and alcohol consumption. It's not to say that it doesn't happen, but um, and Sherry's also saying make sure to eat before you drink. Yeah, I think that that's a that, that's probably pretty smart. Certainly, yeah, do that. yeah. I mean, I would probably rely a little bit more on like lean proteins and fibrous vegetables. Maybe have a little bit of of starch for satiety, but um, yeah. Not to go too crazy there. All right, guys. Well, I appreciate everybody being here, and we will talk to you later. Bye now. Bye.